Are you in perimenopause or menopause and have questions? My co-host Andrea Donsky has a podcast called Menopause Reimagined, where she answers your questions about this phase of life. So stay tuned at the end where I will share five minutes of her amazing podcast and there will be a link in the show notes where you can go and listen to the whole episode. Andrea is brilliant and she has worked so hard and knows her stuff. So be sure to check out Menopause Reimagined after this episode of Health Power. Thanks. I am so happy to say that Dr. Kulreet Chaudhry is back with us. We're going to be doing some half-hour shows on a bunch of cool topics relating to Ayurveda and more. Dr. Kulreet Chaudhry, MD, is a neurologist, neuroscientist, and an internationally recognized expert in the ancient practice of Ayurvedic medicine. As I mentioned, she is the author of The Prime and Sound Medicine. She's a pioneer in the field of integrative medicine and is a highly sought-after speaker, researcher, and advisor for Healthy Directions. She is a former director of Wellspring Health in Scripps Memorial Hospital, where she successfully combined conventional treatments with Ayurvedic practices of detoxification, diet, and lifestyle management to help patients effectively manage chronic neurological disorders such as multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and migraine headaches. Her program was so successful that it is now used for a wide range of health concerns, including weight issues and chronic disease. Dr. Chaudhry, welcome back. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, we have such a nice time. I I know you do such a great service. I have to say a good friend of mine, Ray, who listens to the shows, both Health Power and Dog Eared, was saying how much he enjoyed your last episode where you were talking about the different meditations and mantras. And yeah, he really loved it. And I'm sure so many other people did as well. I'm happy to hear that. So today we're talking about foods to avoid according to Ayurveda. I assume this depends on your dosha type, correct? So if you want to just give us a little background. Sure, sure. And, you know, there are some general foods that we don't recommend. We'll go over that. But um, so much of Ayurveda is regarding the doshas because you'll hear of certain food trends where you go, oh, I know this is good for you. And we're like, nope, not for that dosha. Or I I know this is really bad. I'm like, well, actually, this dosha tolerates it pretty well. So everything, you know, in life, in the life of Ayurveda, everything is pretty much according to your dosha. So there's three doshas. Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. And each one is associated with two elements. So Vata is associated with the element of space and air, Pitta with the elements of fire and water, and Kapha with the elements of water and earth. And so just looking at the elements, you get a sense kind of of like, well, what would that feel like? So Vata, because it is airy, Um, and light, you know, usually the physical structure is smaller build. Um, They tend to talk fast, move fast, learn fast, forget fast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's because they really embody both in mind and body, those particular elements. And so when we're choosing things for like a Vata individual, we always choose things that are the opposite of it. Otherwise, it'll throw it out of balance. And so I always like having archetypes to refer people to. So Vata is like the roadrunner. That's a great archetype for Vata. 
Um, for Pitta, Pitta individuals are, they're naturally fiery. And so that means everything they do kind of has that fiery nature naturally. So they tend to be kind of more on the intense side. You know, even the way that they approach things tends to be very, very focused, a little on the competitive side naturally, even when they're in balance. And their body has that fiery nature in the terms that it's, you know, medium sized, but pretty muscular. Like they look like, yeah, they could take you down. You know, you don't don't want to mess with me. And so my favorite archetype, and this is going to age us the fact that we can relate to these archetypes, but Yosemite Sam, you know, the the red hair, guns blaring, that's the the Pitta (laughs) archetype. And then Kapha, because of the elements that compose Kapha, water and earth, it's the heavier dosha. And so it moves more slowly in terms of its speech. It learns slowly, but remembers for really long periods. Things don't leave it for long periods. Wider build, you know, bigger structure, very loyal because of that slow, like they make very deep connections. Um, But then again, like, you know, just for the other doshas, when we choose foods, we're choosing foods that won't aggravate kapha. And so my favorite, and I think everybody's favorite Kafa archetype, and it's interesting because it's one of the characters that I think that's lasted the ages, which is the nature of Kafa, is it's, it withstands long journeys and, you know, stands the test of time, essentially, uh, is Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Aww, I love Winnie yeah. the Pooh. Well, a few things. First of all, I saw a real live Roadrunner once, <laughs> and it blew my mind because it looked like, a real, it looked like the cartoon. Yeah, they're fast. <laughs> so fast. It's crazy. Uh, the other thing is, when I was young, I was really, really skinny. And I won't go on and on because people listen to the show know that. I mean, so skinny that I was like made fun of, mm. called olive oil. Oh, I got called that too. Oh, my God. Well, I used to wear my hair in this stupid ponytail thing because I couldn't. So I didn't know about products in the 80s and my hair was just no, like I out of control. Either. And I should have just gone with the big hair of the 80s. But no, I wanted my hair like smooth. <laughs> At any rate, so can you change? Because now I'm a size 12 to 14 full-figured woman. Ah, yeah, you're asking a really good question. That's kind of interesting. So, Okay, so you're asking really good questions. So there's a few answers in there. So first of all, um, different doshas are prominent in different life stages. And that's why, you know, all the kids when they're young, they're snotty and they're chubby and they're cute. And that's actually our kapha stage. And then once we hit puberty, we go into the pitta stage. And so uh, most most people, when they're when they're kind of following the natural trajectory, they'll lose quite a bit just because the heat goes up in puberty so much. Like, you you know, you, you see teenagers like they can't eat enough to keep up with it. And then later on, you go more into the Vata stage and, and later on in life, like as we get older. And that's when we see a lot of the Vata imbalances like dementia, constipation, anxiety, those kinds of things. So there's certainly life stages. But the dosha that you're born with, and usually people have a combination of one or two, it will also change in response to life, right? So there's the dosha you were born with. And then, you know, we have kids, um, we have stress, we move to new environments. And so all of that will impact how your dosha is now expressed and the new doshas that can develop. And oftentimes the new ones that develop, they may be an imbalance or... Lisa, it might have been like you had an imbalance in early childhood and then you came out of it. I had a patient who was um, unbelievably underweight. And when we got her dosha in balance, she turned into this gorgeous, voluptuous 
woman and she's like oh actually you know her mom was commenting that actually when she was younger she had even as a teenager like all of these kafic tendencies like her hair all of this stuff that really represented kafa and she was just because of an early childhood illness had a severe vata imbalance so you know it's and the important thing is like get to know the doshas first and i always say get to know them like you'd get to know your best friend like you know don't study them like get to know them get to know their characteristics and then see what are you identifying with the most like and and most importantly what is out of balance right now because we always treat what is out of balance and once you get whatever is out of balance back into balance then you'll you'll be able to identify from a state of balance like oh okay yes i really am more of this and we do change like my dosha i've become so much more kafic over time in terms of my personality from just a lifelong meditation practice like you know thank god like you know that is the purpose of meditation it is <laughs> you shouldn't want to be shooting everybody right you know and but i'm more naturally like a pitta individual but as i've gotten older and certainly motherhood you know motherhood will drive you nuts but it'll also make you more patient and so there's experiences in life that also will change certain aspects of your nature or i like to say mature certain aspects of your nature but the goal is really just to identify what's out of balance. How can I bring it into balance? And whatever is in balance, how, do, how can I keep it there? Now, one thing, and again, I'm not going to go on and on. Everyone knows who listens. I have food, a lot of food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. So my ideal meal, which I, which I ate this morning, was some grass-fed skirt steak, uh, some roasted vegetables. It was cauliflower, broccoli, and sweet potato. I used, used a little bit of uh, avocado oil because it has a high smoke point a salad and some avocado. That meal is perfect. I don't have a food hangover. I don't have a headache. I don't have a sore throat. I don't get tired. So how does that mix in? Mm, Because they might say, oh, you're more kapha. You should be having this, this, and this. And it's like, well, I can't have these grains or I can't have this. How does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're asking a really good question. So I've I've been asked this by a few experts actually because they're like you know ayurveda recommends all of these things but we're finding that people can't eat it and i said well we're prescribing diets now for gut dysbiosis right that the majority of people have some kind of dysbiosis which means oh we can no longer digest x y and z and this isn't just from our personal habits you know what we're finding from studies is because of environmental factors a lot of the pollution the way that our food is being grown in addition to just the processed foods we've been exposed to as a human species we're losing a lot of our bacterial species i mean we're actually losing them right and so we're losing biodiversity and so it does make it you know trickier and this is actually one of the reasons when we visit india i always tell my son i'm like you know, get as much dirt as possible in you because a lot of the species we're losing are soil-based, you know, probiotics. And I'm like, just, you know, eat everything, lick everything, like just get as much biodiversity back. So the way that we approach that in Ayurveda, and this is actually the way I approach it, approach it too, Lisa, is I first just deal with the gut. Like, where is the gut at? Like, leave the dosha behind for just a moment. And where is the gut at? And start with healing the gut, Okay, because in the beginning, it is going to be like that. It's like, oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I can't this. I'm not going to tell somebody who knows their body and knows that they are going to suffer when they're eating certain things. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, you should be eating this. But what I will tell them is, 
All right, Lisa, I know that this meal feels good, but you know, what if we just substituted this one thing or removed it from your diet or just reduced it because it is contributing to other food sensitivities? Like, can we just remove like maybe 25% of the things that are actually contributing to why you have that? And in the meantime, let's add these supplements and, you know, some of the Ayurvedic superfoods in to start healing the gut. And what I have found is you don't have to have a perfect gut. I mean, that's what's amazing about our body is it doesn't have to run perfect. But can we get it to a point where it's healed enough that we can start introducing some of the foods that you may not have been able to eat before that are balancing for your dosha? And, you know, and it's just trial and error. And the other thing I've noticed also, Lisa, is a lot of people don't know how to cook, meaning they'll eat lentils without soaking them with fenugreek seeds overnight. And I'm like, well, nobody can digest lentils if you don't soak them with fenugreek seeds, you know, or they're not using spices that actually help you to, you know, increase your digestion. And so it's a combination of educating people on how to actually eat something And, you know, also just like, okay, eating for where you're at right now and then slowly moving towards that point. Like I have so many patients where they would really benefit from milk and they're like, oh, I can't digest dairy. We get them to a point of digesting dairy because number one, most people are not drinking dairy that's digestible. Most of our dairy is not digestible. So why would you be able to digest something that the way it's prepared is not digestible? But if you're drinking dairy and can't digest it, it'll throw off so many other things. But as we clean up the digestive tract and then like get, you know, a source of dairy, if possible, it's not always possible, that is digestible, that might be medicinal for someone, you know, Mm. later on. And that's why I'm a big proponent of kind of the modern version of Ayurveda, because we don't live in a healthy environment anymore. And we got to deal with that. We can't like just bemoan that and pretend like that's not the case. We, we don't live in a clean planet where we can just follow the ancient recommendations perfectly. But even embedded in those ancient recommendations, there were many, many suggestions for an imperfect environment. I mean, that's what amazes me. It's like they anticipated this almost, you know? Oh, yeah. That there's still knowledge in there that can help us even with our modern kind of food crisis. That meal that you're describing, I have a lot of my patients that I initially start working with, they're on a very similar meal, and it's the same. It's just there's a lot of, you know, kind of, and I'm not saying this, by the way, when I say this, I don't want you to feel like, oh, have I not been taking care of myself? There's dysbiosis, but it's not because you haven't been taking care of yourself. You've been taking care of yourself by learning how to eat on behalf of your dysbiosis. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I really commend people like, God, that's a lot of work. I know what that's like. I did that. I did that for a really long time as well. So, you know, it's, it's then like, okay, so you've done a really great job. You've worked really hard at this. How do we now start moving you from, you know, a diet where it's, it's, you're maintaining, you know, you're maintaining a balance with the dysbiosis. Like, how do we move you now out of that? Right. You know, and it's a process. And, One of the things that shocks many people is the emotions we hold in our gut. And especially for women, my God, like we're like the, you know, emotional repository for our entire family. Um, And this was something that surprised me was how much emotional healing I had to do to be able to digest certain foods. So it's a process. It's not just a physical process. It's a, it's a mental, emotional, it's a spiritual process, but we can, you know, we can get there. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, first of all, I have to work with you because <laughs> I'd like to get there. As much as I like my grass-fed steak and my vegetables, it would be nice. I would kill for a bowl of pasta, but when I eat wheat, I get a migraine. It's just not worth it. That's the that's the pitta, and so it that's usually that there's some heat there that's responding, you know, to the wheat. But then keep in mind again, what wheat are you eating? Because most of the wheat that you're going to get from the U.S. is going to be inflammatory. So it's finding that balance between okay, I have a dosha that would be responding in an inflammatory way to certain things. But I'm also living in a country where those foods are made inflammatory. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this. I have so many patients that are like, oh, I went to Europe and I could eat all the wheat I wanted. Or like, you know, they travel like to some other country that doesn't have the same, you know, regulations that we have with food or the lack of, I should lack of regulations we have. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden they can eat things that they can that they can't eat here. And so it's a combination of understanding your dosha and then having to accept the reality of where you're at. But, and this is what I really want your listeners to get, you know, whether it's Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, or working with a naturopath, like there are ways to get back to a place where you might not be eating pasta every day. And I don't recommend that to anybody. (laughs) But when you eat it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that was fine. It's not something I would do on a regular basis. But my body can suddenly handle the inflammation produced by that. You know, so there's ways that we work towards that with people. Oh, that's great. Now, there, so there, there are foods, though, that you do want no matter what your dosha to avoid. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think this has kind of become common sense. Like, we didn't really have to say this before because the, these foods didn't exist. You know, but highly processed foods, like when you can't pronounce the ingredients, you know, generally you're not going to do very well with that. Now, alcohol is a funny one because um, – Alcohol, like certain doshas actually can tolerate, like, you know, the kapha dosha, some of the herbs we give, they're dissolved in alcohol for kapha. Now we give that for short periods and it's for small doses, but you know, kapha can handle like the occasional alcohol. Pitta, absolutely not. It's just like setting the gut on fire every time. Uh, Coffee is another one where majority of people can't handle coffee. Again, kapha, because of its nature, can handle you know, like the occasional coffee, um, eating a lot of leftovers. We don't recommend in Ayurveda, you know, microwaving your food. We don't recommend because over time, these foods, they're low prana foods, meaning that they don't have a lot of life force. So when you cook something within a few hours, most of the life force is gone and it starts to denature. And so when you eat it, it becomes like the food for the wrong kind of bacteria. The same thing for microwaved food. So those are some general things that we recommend, like across the board, which again, like we didn't really have to recommend a long time ago. You know, and I don't tell people like eat eat sugar nonstop. Um, Now, what's funny, though, is for the vata dosha, for example, we will sometimes recommend, you know, natural sugars like jaggery or the herbs will include natural sugars like jaggery because it is balancing for vata. And so it just depends on like what your dosha is. We might say, well, sugar for you when it's natural, something like jaggery is really, really healthy. Honey for a kapha individual is really good. Honey is heating, you know, but for a pitta individual, people are always saying like, oh, I've heard the benefits of honey. You give it to a pitta individual, it'll cause inflammation. You see, there's this, this beautiful, like once you just see the dosha, and even what to your point earlier, Lisa, like, well, you know, the state of dysbiosis will cause a dosha imbalance. So you're still creating a diet according to what you can tolerate in terms of what the current 
imbalance is, and then slowly getting back to like, okay, now that you're predominantly who you were born to be, you know, now this is what your diet, you know, could look like. What was that sugar you mentioned? Jack? Oh my God, Lisa, you haven't heard of Jackery? No, I'm sitting here like, I didn't want to interrupt, oh, but I'm going, what the heck is yum. that? Okay, so it's like one of the least processed sugars. So when I was growing up in India, we had a sugarcane um, farm and um, we used to just, you know, our family used to make it. It's the least processed form of sugar. It's literally like dried sugarcane juice and you can get it online. Mm. Um, it's the main sugar we use. It's delicious. How do you spell that? Um. Oh, Okay, my spelling now. Uh, J-A-G-G-E-R-Y. Teacher, did I get that right? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> you did. Um, Jaggery. Yes, that's correct. And it's got a lot of the natural minerals. It's actually, it, it has nutrients in it. And there's lots of things like, you know, white salt is depleted of nutrients, but then you use like Himalayan salt right. or sea salt and it has nutrients. So there's lots of foods that in its processed depleted state are bad for you. And then you switch to your their natural states and and again, we, we use them as medicines in Ayurveda. So one of the first rules in Ayurveda is as unprocessed as possible. And that doesn't mean I don't own things that are in boxes in my house. Sure. You know, because I'm not going to go out and make my own rice noodles. Like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to go out and do certain things because I do live in 2023. Yes. Um but they're minimally processed, you know, and yeah, we absolutely will have like the occasional treat, you know, where it's like, okay, you know, this is going to be fun to eat. But th- those are, those are the 10%. Your diet, the impact of your diet really comes from what you eat 90% of the time. So 90% of the time I can recognize my food, meaning like it looks like it's been plucked from the earth. Um, and it's very simple. It's just very, very, very simple foods. The simpler you eat, the healthier you'll be. And then 10% of the time, you know, you go and you break those, break out those amazing brownies, like, because right. like, why not? If you can digest it, like, why would you not eat a brownie once in a while? Exactly. <laughs> once you have had a wonderful dog, a life without one is a life diminished. That's a quote by author Dean Coots, and I couldn't agree more. I want my wonderful dogs to live as long as possible, and what they eat plays a huge role in their health and longevity. Kibble is full of seed oils that wreak havoc on our dog's health. They damage their microbiome, which affects digestion, oral health, their skin and coat, and more. And that's why I feed my dog Benji Yumwoof. Their air-dried food is GMO-free and has an inflammation-reducing recipe with omega-3 and coconut oil. It's all the benefits of fresh food without the fridge, carbs, fillers, seed oils, and other inflammatory ingredients you see in other brands. Yum Woof obsessively crafted a healthy, low-carb food with humanely raised USDA meat, eggs, and other non-GMO superfoods that my dog loves. Try the number one air-dried dog food for gut health for 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. That's 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. Go to www.yumwoof.com. That's www.yumwoof.com. You and your dog will be so glad you did. Exactly. Now, is red meat, especially if it's grass-fed or organic, is that okay for any of the doshas or are there specific ones that shouldn't have it? So vata, red meat in general tends to be more inflammatory, but let's back up when we talk about red meat. Because first of all, the larger the animal, 
the more information it has, so the more information you've got to deal with in your in your gut. And when I say information, it's not just in terms of the biology. The more complex it is, the harder it is to digest. And the larger the animal, um, typically kind of the more emotional processing it has a capacity for. And so in Ayurveda, we say when you eat something, you're eating everything it experiences also. That when you cook something, it's not that it's devoid of the experiences it went through. So when you eat larger, more intelligent, animals you're also eating whatever they experienced oh wow! yeah so you got to process that too and so it's just a whole new i'm sorry lisa i'm not trying to tell you you shouldn't <laughs> eat like, what you're oh, eating no. i just bought so no, much it's okay organic listen skirt steak. it's it's okay <laughs> i do not want yeah. you to take this and be like oh god i can't eat it i'm just giving you information you know and and of course it's how it's been raised and larger animals in general it's just more expensive to raise them in a way that maintains their overall health. I mean, it's like if you had to raise human beings, right? Like they have more needs, right? Like if you were going to raise human beings for some reason for sale, um, you know, of of their meat, which is, this is an extremely grotesque example. This is, I think, the (laughs) grossest example I've ever given. But you can imagine that they would have to be tended to with loving care, right? Because they have emotional needs and that their emotions would impact their overall state, right? Of their, of their body. And then if you consume that body, you will be consuming all of their experiences. So in general, in Ayurveda, when we talk about meats, we, we tend to recommend, because meat is prescribed in Ayurveda as medicine, if your body needs it. We tend to go for the smaller animals just because there's less information for you to process. The less information you have to process, the the better you're going to digest it, which means you're not going to build up toxins. So that's kind of like just the bigger thing, okay? And so then we look at what are the individual needs. So you ask, is there a particular dosha that does well with meat? Vata does really well when it is out of balance and it needs to be grounded because meat takes longer to digest we prescribe it for vata individuals, you know, but I'll usually recommend like either fish, you know, or turkey or like whatever they can find that is sustainably raised and humanely raised. Like what in your community can you get a hold of that is, you know, raised in a way that you're not having to digest excess information because of the negative experience of the animal, And bone broth, bone broth is so nurturing that in Ayurveda, we will even give it to enemas for treating like certain conditions, like certain neurological conditions. We give bone broth as an enema because of how nurturing it is. So meat in Ayurveda is completely prescribed as medicine. And this was, you know, I'm on the opposite spectrum of it is that I was vegetarian. I was even vegan at a certain point. And then uh, my body hit a point when I was going through perimenopause that it was like, oh, no, no, honey, you're not doing this vegan bit. We (laughs) now need bone broth. And I was taking bone broth regularly during that time. And then I hit a point where I'm like, even that wasn't enough. And I needed to eat fish once a week. And I had to make peace with the advice I give to my own patients, which like food is medicine. Like do not have an emotional connection or like a psychological connection to at least 90% of your food, right? 10%, knock yourself out, foul, make it mean whatever. But 90% of what you eat has to be what your body needs. I, it took me years just because, you know, I had attached a certain psychology to it. And I had to overcome that to be, no, I've got to be, I've got to be kind and good and nourish my body. And it made the world of difference. It was so big for me when I did that. My body was just like, yes, this is what we need for right now because 
when women go through that transition, their vata gets so high, like you've got to do everything that you need to do to balance it out. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. I'm going <laughs> to take a uh-huh. um, Literally, but I'm bumped this this meat thing. But that's okay. That's that's okay because you're not you're not adding the carbs which feed certain bacteria. And so what I'm saying is that's okay. But like, okay, so let's pretend for a moment that you're my patient. Which, by the way, I haven't done an assessment, so do not take any of this advice as like, oh, okay, okay you told me to do this. But I'm just giving you a general sense of like how might we approach this. Right. So like your low carb diet is like, that's fantastic for kapha. So we might be like, oh, this is really good. Like you've really, you know, lowered your carbs. Like that's fine. We might look at your vegetables and be like, hey, the vegetables you're eating are fantastic. Let's keep that. And then we might just simply look at the meat and go like, huh, okay. So with pitta, you know, kapha has a hard time digesting meat, but with your pitta, this is a little bit inflammatory. What if we chose like turkey or freshwater fish for like 25% of your meals, right? Like what if we chose those? Like tell me how you feel. And if you come back and go, you know what, I'm actually feeling a little better. And I go, okay, Lisa, what if we chose that for like 50% of your meals? You know, let's just see how you do. And then at some point I might say, hey, Lisa, you know, and, and again, I haven't done your your assessment. So please don't follow this recommendation because this is me making up a scenario in Lisa's body. Um, but I might go, hey, Lisa, you know what? Now your pulse is really just showing like a little bit of inflammation in your small intestine. What if we add just a tiny bit of aloe vera juice at lunch? Like let's do a teaspoon of aloe vera juice and a quarter cup of water at lunch. Let's get that inflammation down. You know, let's give you a little bit of trifla at night and I'm going to start you, you know how much I, I love the prime tea because it just helps so much with overall digestion. We're going to start you on that tea. And then maybe like in a month you go, wow, you know what? My gut's really feeling a lot better. And then we go, hey, you know what, Lisa, I bet you could try like just a little bit of pasta. Let's just try a little bit of pasta and see what happens. And so then if you come back and you go, no, 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 I still had a headache. I'm like, you know what, Lisa, let's do something to start clearing out your liver. Because I think the issue is actually in the liver. And it's not really that you're reacting to the food, but your liver just can't process the toxins. So are you up for a liver cleanse? And so then maybe we do a liver cleanse. You see what I'm saying? And then afterwards, I come back and go, hey, Lisa, your pulse is really, like the heat's really come down. And you might have signs like, hey, the kapha has really come down. And you might even go, you know what? I'm not even really craving the red meat anymore. Like I have it once a week and that seems to do it. And then we might be like, Lisa, give that pasta a try again. Let's try to find something sourced from Italy, you know, something outside of the U.S. where we know it hasn't been grown in a way that's going to make it inflammatory. And let's add like arugula, you know, vegetables and stuff that would really bring the heat down. And let's add that aloe vera when you have it. Now that you've done the liver cleanse, you might have that meal and go, I didn't have a headache. And I'm like, all right, there we go. See, it's a, wow. see, it's a journey. It's not so rigid, actually. It's a journey. And we slowly get there by like, I'm slowly getting you to less inflammatory meat, still meat, your vegetables might be perfect. And we might never add a whole lot of carbs, like your body might just be. And for most women, when we get to a certain age, because of the changes in hormones, we don't tolerate a lot of carbs anyways. But you know, we we slowly get you to a point where we now we've got you on a liver cleanse once a year, and you're having pasta once a week. 
Like, because if, if you tell me, Lisa, your goal is to eat pasta, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that your 10% includes pasta. Like, that's that's the beauty of Ayurveda. It's actually not restrictive. It finds ways to bring balance in your life so that you can also add in some other things that you can't tolerate. If they mean something to you, like pasta might mean something to you because it has a certain memory in childhood. It means family getting together. It was like, you know, maybe your mom or your dad cooking in the kitchen and they made this one pasta dish. I want to honor that. And I want to figure out how do I get Lisa to have pasta once a week? You see, that's, that's how I approach Ayurveda. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think we should work together and then come on every week and see how I'm doing. That would be really cool. Because I don't, I can eat, he can live on high, you know, whole grain carbs and feel good. Yeah. I, I hear you. Like I hear ton. you. Yeah. And I would not, I would not be like, oh, take that out. I'd be like, again, with my make believe consultation, what if we added just 25% of the time something else, like leave your veggies exactly as they are and then add, add, you know, superfoods and superfoods like, and these are also dosha specific, but we might add like ghee for you. We might add aloe vera, add some specific herbs, add the trifla, you know, add some specific herbs as we heal the gut and then slowly transition you away from the foods that you you have to eat right now, but still might be undermining your, you know, your dosha imbalance. Right. Slowly pull you away from that. Slowly. That's the whole thing is like, Look. why do we have to do it so fast? And then if you say... I still notice that my body wants that red meat once a week. I'm going to trust that you understand your body, you know. And as long as I'm noticing that your pulse is improving and that you're showing signs that your imbalances are getting less and less, I'm, you know, I'm going to be like, all right, you get to dictate it. You know, that's the beauty of Ayurveda is, you know, it's it really... When done properly, it's a partnership between you and your Ayurvedic practitioner, and they're not setting the goals you are, and they're helping you to meet those goals. Although oftentimes as you feel better, your goals will oftentimes change. Like you'll be like, oh, "Oh, well, that was just my initial goal. But now that, you know, now that I can have pasta once a week and a brownie once a month, and it's not a problem, um, you know, I've got this whole new goal. I never really thought that this was going to be possible. And then we go to the next one. That's so cool. You mentioned Trifla, and I know you mentioned that on our mm. prior interview, but what is that again? Lisa, if there is one thing I can do for you, like, let me get you on Trifla. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> I'll take it. It is such an amazing herb for the gut. So it balances all three doshas. And each one of, it's made of three berries. Each one of these berries we use in Ayurveda for so many different conditions. Like, it's too many conditions to list. We use them individually. You put them together in smaller amounts, and it just creates this combination that is so healing for the gut. I mean, it's just so healing. And that's what I mean by, in Ayurveda, we go in and we start healing the gut. Because when your gut is healing and your flora is shifting, it's just a completely new ball game. And so uh, Trifla is like one of the first things I put my patients on. I created my own brand of Trifla to include a soil-based spore probiotic and a postbiotic. So a postbiotic is, you know, a an, an organism that generates food for the for the prebiotic. But to me, I was like, oh my god, if we could combine all of these into one pill, like you have everything you would need, 
You know, you've got the triflid that helps to create the right environment. You've got the soil-based probiotic, which is missing. It's what we're most mostly missing because we we live such a clean life. We eat dirty, but we live clean, which is the problem. Right. <laughs> and then something that's feeding the prebiotic. And so, I mean, it's just getting that combination in particular, I have found, you know, in practicing over the past 20 years that it's just like there's magic that happens when when that comes together. Not, not that you don't have to do anything else, but it's like right. it allows you it, it like creates this room for you to begin to get out of that restricted bubble of eating where you know when you go well how you're feeling like i can't eat anything else so frustrating yeah i i hear you because you're working really hard to stay yeah. frustrated i this get is, it this, i really get it again this has been so great dr chaudry is there anything you wanted to add today no um i mean i think we've covered it i guess just you know like the, and lisa you're such a great interviewer i just love oh, interviewing so with you so much the way that you have brought this out, that it's a dialogue with your body, right? Like, don't right. come in and, and be like putting handcuffs on it and be like, this is how you're going to be. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. And that dialogue evolves. And Ayurveda is really just helping you to learn how to converse back and how to listen. You know, that's it. Oh, I love that. All right. Dr. Chaudhry, tell us all the ways we can find you and all your wonderful work. <laughs> So if you if you want to learn more about Ayurveda, I write um, articles in my webpage for getting those articles at drkchaudhry.com. Um, and there's lots of little snippets there on, you know, how to start to implement and Ayurveda and also learn some of the basics. And I take people to India every year. I have a um, one-year annual membership where I work with people. I'm getting them ready. And then I take them to India to get the really deep Ayurvedic treatments. And then we follow up afterwards. And that work is it's on the mental, emotional, and physical level. And for that, they can go to my direct website, which is drkolreetchaudhary.com, just my full name. Um, and... Right now, I'm just about to update my website so that people can just go straight on the wait list for that because I only take a small number each year. Um, but uh, you can go to my current website and just ask to be placed on the wait list. So those are the two main ways. All right. Be sure to check the show notes because I'll have the websites in there so you get the correct spelling. Well, this has been fantastic. And Dr. Chaudhry and I will need to talk <laughs> and <to laughs> figure something out to help me. I go, oh, love to eat pasta I, and by the way i'm a really good one husband eats a ton of of whole wheat pasta he's oh that's rough time. i mean yeah it's rough it's right and i cook it all the time <laughs> that that is love lisa oh yeah it's, that is love it's, it's not easy you have all earned right. your pasta points like you know <laughs> i really have i wouldn't mind some pizza either but anyway that's a whole <laughs> <laughs> Dairy's not my friend either. Not as bad. Not as bad as uh, as wheat to me. Not yet. Um, not yeah, yet. Right. At any rate, uh, please keep coming back to Health Power. Rate, review, subscribe, and be sure. Now, that's something interesting. Do dogs and cats have yes, doshas? Yes, everything in nature has doshas. There's then an you entire... you have to come on dog ear. There's, there's... Well, I... It's not my specialty. It's just kind of like veterinary medicine versus like human medicine. There's specialists in Ayurveda for animal health and it's the same and it's phenomenal but it's the Ooh. same because everything in nature has different doshas everything wow. yeah. all right well everybody keep coming back to both shows and have a great day thanks so much hey 
Hey Savvy Family, I'm Andrew Donsky and today we have a treat for you and on our channel we go from auto know to wellness pro and today we're going to be talking body image and I really wanted to have this conversation because it's something that's been on my mind. I am raising two daughters and I thought who better than to be with two experts that I look up to and I think are absolutely fabulous in this area and I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves to you and we're going to talk real candid conversations about body image. All right, so Marcy, why don't you start? Okay, I am Marcy Warhaft. I'm a body image advocate, writer, and author, and the founder of Fit Versus Fiction Body Image Workshops. I love it. Tracy. I'm Tracy Peart. I'm a makeup artist for both Breakfast Television Toronto and CityLine. I also do fashion, plus-size fashion segments on there as well, and I have the It Fits Me Too hashtag that I do with Eva Grabesic, and it's, we celebrate um, all-inclusive sizing. I love it. All right, so before... We started filming, we were talking about the word fat, and I asked the question, I thought, when I say the word fat, what comes to mind? And Marcy was like, oh, no, 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 no. So I love the fact that she said that because it was something that we triggered, and I thought it's an important conversation. So I wanted to ask you, what, do, what comes to mind for you when you hear the word fat? So leave us a comment below, and I'm going to start with Marcy. So let, let's okay, talk I about want to clarify that because I, want to be, I wasn't saying, oh, it's so terrible. I want to make sure exactly. we clarify that. Um, my issue with it is that I think for a lot of people, it doesn't bring up a, a word. It brings up a feeling. It's this negative feeling because we've been brought up to believe that fat is bad. And fat is not bad. It's not a bad word. It's not a bad thing. It's actually necessary nutrient. Fat makes our nails strong and our skin good. And, and our, our brain healthy. Yes, we need it. And, mm. and when people talk about, I'm fat, we're not fat. We have fat, but it's not who we are. It's a part of who we are. And I think it's, it's a shame that fat has gotten this negative connotation to it because it's not. Fat is not a bad thing or a bad word. Tracy, what about you? What comes to mind for you? Or what comes to mind is the traditional, what people have been embedded and burned into our brains forever. Mm -hmm. It's like unattractive, sloppy, lazy, yeah. Yeah. all those types of uh, negative um, images. And still to this day, you have to kind of retrain your body to not think that way. But that's immediately when I, I kind of had the same reaction, like, oh, fine. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, because you think of those negative yep. things and we have to kind of untrain ourselves to think that way. But uh, more and more with like, like the curvy or plus size community, people are using that word all the time, um, kind of taking it back and reclaiming it. And so it's not as uh, to me, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing anymore. You have to kind of open up our minds and stop looking at it as this negative thing that's associated with being unattractive and being mm -hmm. like yeah unhealthy. lazy and unhealthy and that's a big one right all those things I so. love that you said that and being a nutritionist for me we love fat so fat good fat avocado uh, you know olive oil we want good fat and it's about retraining our mind even from the food that we're eating so it's an interesting thing that when you mention just that word that's like three little letters you know but it has such a big impact on so many so many of us well a lot of people talk about nutrition it's like i know growing up uh, i did this and so many people would go and read you taught me how to read labels actually and what to look for and Unfortunately, what a lot of people look for is calories and fat. Mm, and it's, so they, want, they want the lower amount of calories yeah. and the lowest amount of fat. And really, that's not at all what you should be looking at. So we really, we've been taught so wrong for so long yeah. that it takes a lot to retrain to re or to even feel safe in trying to retrain our brains. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Because fat was never associated with anything good. No. Like growing up, like you were right. always trying to Except lose fat. It's such a treat. It was yes. like, oh, you can have it. It's bad. Mm -hmm. But if you're really good, you get a treat. Like, it's, And that's not the way it shouldn't be, this treat thing. This 
Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.